0: Welcome to the spoiler alert podcast and we are back in the month of october with a halloween marathon today we will be reviewing guillermo del toro's the devil's backbone this was made in 2001 and i had not seen it before doing this review have you had you seen it before this dakota uh
1: yeah but like i couldn't remember it very well so i don't know if it's something i ever finished or it's like because i did a lot of that where it's like i'd watch like half an hour of something and be like yeah I saw that movie um you know but yeah uh, I saw Kronos uh, which is his first film and then he did Mimic and then uh I think this is his third and um the doctor in this film is uh the, the main actor from Kronos um I saw Criterion included uh Kronos Devil's Backbone and uh Pan's Labyrinth as a sort of trilogy um although Kronos doesn't really have much to do with I, 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 Devil's Backbone and Pan's Labyrinth are a lot more alike than, mm-hmm. you know, than Cronus is kind of the odd one. Oh, it's a vampire film, basically. But it's a, it's a really interesting take on the vampire genre. He does a lot of vampire stuff. Like he did a series for FX called The Strain. He wrote a novel series. And uh, he, he did a few other things with vampires, but.
0: But yeah, so this being his third film, it makes a lot of sense that you mentioned that it's like the one that's most related to Pan's Labyrinth, because this also takes place during the Spanish Civil War between the nationalists and uh the rebels and this movie has what alfred hitchcock calls a MacGuffin. now what a MacGuffin is is it's something that seems central to the plot but it doesn't necessarily end up mattering but it's used to drive the plot forward
1: I thought, I thought a MacGuffin was just like a literal plot device. Like, like we have to get the orb of blah, 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 and get it to, you know, it doesn't. That's what I mean. Yep. It's just a
0: plot. It's just a plot device. Like uh, one of the famous ones. like a
1: literal plot device though, usually. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like one of the famous ones is North by Northwest (laughs) when they're like looking for this like crushed uranium or whatever. Yeah. and it's like uh, it's not really there or whatever it was like it ended up just totally not mattering and that is kind of the case like in the
1: big lebowski <laughs>
0: yeah i mean in a way yeah it's just kind of used as leverage for the story the, the main macguffin in the devil's backbone is actually the bomb that you see if you're watching the videos on youtube Behind me.
1: Well, as far as the bomb goes, I think I mean it's it's definitely an ominous presence through the movie. It's a literal time bomb. You're waiting for this. It just sets everything. Is it like there's a general sense of unease because literally an unexploded fucking bomb in the middle of everything. It obviously constantly reminds you of the the background war, though we never really see it. But it's it's a constant reminder of that's what's out there. It yeah, just creates a sense of dread through the film.
0: Yeah, it's it's really it's really good symbol throughout the film too. Yeah, so that's a really interesting one um the opening scenes of the movie are of the bomber dropping the bomb and then that's kind of spliced in with us seeing a kid die or you know disappear and then some other kids get like thrusted backward uh, upon like the the bomb's collision um although the bomb did not explode as we said but it's got like a timer on it and it's an ominous thing in the middle of the Movie that sets things in motion.
1: It, it's sort of unrelated, but there's a very popular game Fallout Three that literally they build a settlement around an unexploded nuke, and the image is just like Devil's Backbone. So I'm almost positive that that was the inspiration.
0: This is actually dead, like dead set in the middle of an orphanage yeah, uh, in yeah. in Spain during again the Spanish Civil War. Now the overseers to this orphanage are an old doctor we will refer to as the doctor and then a woman named Carmen who has a prosthetic leg they have a a weird relationship and I guess just to even out of it even though it's out of place dive into their relationship specifically you know I think it was like they had uh feelings
1: for each other but he never could bring himself to say it and But I mean, I I think it is reciprocated on her part. Like she does have feelings for the doctor, but she just, I don't know what the issue is. He's too soft or something, maybe literally. I I I don't know. know, but I'm like,
0: so. And then there's this kid who's newer to the orphanage named Carlos. Carlos is like first day in the middle of the square. He sees a ghost and that ghost would later be known to be Santi. And it's like an orphanage boy, like about his age. I got a little bit confused at times with the politics in this, in this movie because they claimed to be nationalists and not leftists. But even though they're nationalists, they're worried about Franco. Yeah, I think they're pretending to be the nationalists, but then
1: holding on to gold for the um, the rebels or whatever. Franco ended up winning. But and I think that's when Pan's Labyrinth takes place, like after
0: the yeah, war. Yeah, because that was, there's a little bit of politics in Pan's Labyrinth, but it's very small. It's basically just saying that the rebel fighters in Pan's Labyrinth were communist, mm-hmm. and that we're on the left side, you know.
1: Well, since not you're not super important,
0: to- But it is another ticking time bomb device by setting this during a war where okay someone's inevitably gonna come here like it's not just the bomb it's also just franco's army you know right um so that's part of it and then carlos has a run-in put this boy named hame and hame is kind of like one of these asshole bully kids that ends up being like misunderstood type of thing well uh-huh. yeah it gets way
1: worse before it gets better, though, because I thought I thought he was gonna ease up sooner, but he starts to go like full, like let the right one in. He's getting the knife out, and like he's he's going psycho, and who knows how events might have unfolded if uh, if he had, you know if that well if he got his way. I don't know what his plan there was, but uh, but yeah, eventually he comes around, uh, and there are much more sinister things than just the bully at play in the orphanage.
0: Um, mm-hmm. But he's a pretty hardcore bully to start with, so. and then this is around the time when we are introduced to Jacinto and Jacinto is like somewhere in between a caretaker and like the most experienced orphanage boy
1: yeah I'm guessing he's like maybe I don't know maybe even 10 years like uh since he was kind of a kid because she was saying uh Carmen was saying that she's been getting groovy with him since he's 17 which is kind of fucked up but uh It's hard to guess his age, but definitely older than anyone else there as far as the boys.
0: And then Carlos sees some spooky shit, like some shadows and like footprints of like wet footprints and this and that. They end up catching Jacinto trying to infiltrate a safe. And in this safe, we learn is a bunch of Franco's fucking gold. He had a key that he knew of. And... The way he gets a hold of that key uh, comes this into play is- later. Carlos hears a voice at night, and it sounds like, and this is Santi. We've already brought him up, the ghost Santi. It ends up leading him into a chamber where it look where it's basically a brewery for or a distillery, a distillery for uh what we learned to be the devil's backbone, which is a alcohol that the uh, fetus is in formaldehyde, basically. Yeah. Um, well, but, what, uh, well, there's no formaldehyde. Maybe it's alcohol.
1: Rum, right. rum, right? I'm drinking rum, so that yeah, it was uh,
0: yeah. Yeah. And this ghost warns the boys because there's like a small group of the boys now. I think there's Hame and then one of the dorkier looking ones. The ghost warned them that you you are all going to die. Carlos ends up getting caught for having gone out hunting and scavenging through the this like building in the orphanage carlos was dared by hame to do it but then uh, i think he made Hami go with him mm-hmm. and then hame got out in time and carlos did not the dude was like trying to shoot at him damn near like uh jacinto was
1: right yeah he comes charging at him and i think that's the first sign that you get that uh jacinto was pretty aggressive because the way he's just like walking it i think you're like oh shit he's gonna fuck him up you know like
0: um and then the doctor figures out who the other boys that did it were yeah but carlos takes the whole blame though when carlos is in basically the principal's office uh meeting with the doctor the doctor that's when he explains what we were just talking about which is the jars of rum that have fetuses in them and these fetuses were born prematurely and had this defect where you could the, the skin was not covering the spine mm-hmm. so they call this drink the devil's backbone and it's supposed to get get men hard it, it, get and then he
1: sells the concoction hard. to people in town um and yeah uh,
0: and the- i don't think he ever explains to the people what how it's made which is creepy
1: i think they know that i think he's because he says like people will try anything like they believe it so i i don't know if that it's like stem cell juice or something i, I don't fucking know uh, but oh, no. like,
0: uh, yeah he,
1: he seems to say that it's healing property or it's it's erection giving properties are you know ridiculous but then he himself is you know sipping the juice uh we see so you know because i think he wants to please carmen someday you know
0: you know like it's not a super like jump scary movie or it doesn't like it, it has like it scares but it doesn't and it's like definitely a horror movie like you think of it as a horror movie but like it's not gruesome or anything like that it, which doesn't necessarily well, make it better for that reason but it is just you un- unique for that reason
1: yeah. It's again, like dark water feels similar in that way. Like, cause that's going to be one of my recommendations where it's like, it's more about the sort of family drama or, you know, of, of this single mother trying to raise her daughter. And then there are super uh, natural elements in the background that come into the foreground uh, towards the end of the film. And it's a lot like that. It, it's more about the dread, you know, just sort of the dreadful situation of the war that they're in throughout, you know, the, the film and the ghost is just kind of a backdrop to that kind of, the very real tragedy of you know war and and all that the next scene
0: we see Jacinto and Carmen fucking he goes over to the dresser and we see him take another key out of a key ring so every every day they're fucking he goes and steals a key and tries to break it in the safe to get the gold so that happens every time
1: yeah, I don't know. There's some weird fetish stuff with the wooden leg. She says, uh, if her, I don't know. I don't know if there's a metaphor about hard wood I, I, I'm thinking it's there. You know, she needs, I don't know, some hard wood, but she likes the doctor's poetry. She likes to listen to him recited in the next room. But I, I don't know. There's some kind of contrast between the two. I, I'm not sure what the movie's trying to get at with it, to be honest, but it's kind of just a fucked up situation where she listens to his poetry recitals through the wall and he listens to her getting it on through the wall um except she pretends that he can't hear her which it's like you're right in the next room i, I don't know you know it's just a weird dynamic they have so um,
0: and then hame has a dream about santi because they used to know santi uh santi had died the day that the bomb dropped and then a bunch of leftists are captured and executed, including one of the doctor's friends. There is a scene like that where there's like a struggle for a knife.
1: So Carlos saves Uh He pulls the knife out. He's about to fuck him up. And then uh, Carlos hits him in the head. He falls into the um, cistern or whatever. And, uh, and they're like, he can't swim. So they have to dive in after him and, and pulls him out. Um, you imagine that Sancti was killed because he has this forehead gash that's bleeding into the air all the time, like like which is a really great effect. It's really creepy. Um, you know, like just this ribbon of blood of, at all times. Um, so you're thinking maybe Hami, you know, killed this kid, but uh, but then uh Yacinto comes down and he's like, Whose knife is this? And um Carlos takes the blame, and uh, you know, which I don't fucking know why. Well, anyway, but, and then Yacinto slashes him on the face, and then I think
0: Huh? He wanted to, get, he wanted to gain some What's allies
1: that? Well, yeah, but your, your LA just tried to fucking stab you or some shit, like, this kid has serious issues, like, I, I think because he's so fucked up by what we know we saw at the end of the film, but um, so, but that could have taken a real turn, uh, I, um, but Yacinto um, slashes his face, I think that's when you start to, like, be like, okay, wait, yeah, maybe,
0: like, So now at this point in this story, uh, Jacinto kind of starts to go crazy. He tries to get the gold again, but is caught by the doctor and Carmen. And the doctor has I think a shotgun pointed at him at this point. Um, But he meets up with some buddies. And while he's doing that, they start to prepare to leave as well. Because everyone's like, basically fuck this orphan orphanage at this point
1: well i think the doctor's also really worried that 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 the the army, like they're coming in and they're gonna kill them because he saw those executions yeah so
0: there's like multiple ticking time bombs there's the jacinto one there's the bomb bomb there's the army as a whole closing in there's santi's storyline right uh, ticking time bombs all over the place This is when Jacinto really kind of goes crazy. And with the help of two like drinking buddies of his, they plan an explosion to kill as many people as they can. And it's using gasoline. And it's also obviously to blow out the safe. That scene is fucking crazy because that's surprisingly a big, big scene. A lot of people fucking die. And there's yeah that was like, shocking
1: well but that is what San- santi promised and so i don't know why he's caught off guard like well, i'm like wow they just killed most of the kids like in one fell swoop a lot of people died.
0: important side characters like yeah. there was like a cook that died and stuff like mm-hmm. that basically any other adult or child except for like six total people i think
1: right well well carmen carmen ultimately passes the doctor is around a little longer but it seems his wounds are fatal uh he has which is something i like um because you know you get like blast lung you get blast damage and like movies don't normally show that i'm pretty sure that's what killed the doctor right like he's his ears are hemorrhaging and he he does i mean i'm kind of spoiling it past a little while later but yeah like in these fucking movies like people are like literally engulfed by flame they're in such close proximity to the explosion they're just like walking it off it's like no, there's a physical impact that like ruptures shit, you know, collapses lungs. And so he ulti- ultimately the doctor dies as well. Um,
0: like this whole scene is one of the major turning points in the film. It kind of turns the page from the second act to the third act. Yeah, so. and Jacinto's attempt at the safe, I think it opened up, but they didn't find the gold they were looking for. But right. he stumbled across the prosthetic leg that Carmen had, and he looked at it for a second. It looked kind of strange, and then he kicked it open, and he kicked open a little door in the side of it. Yeah, it was
1: hollowed out, and had yeah, gold. it was a
0: hollowed out leg, and she had like a fuck ton of gold in there. Yeah. And then that's when like, you know, he kind of gets the upper hand, and.
1: Like after basically all the adult caretakers are, are dead, Yocinto and his buddies lock up the kids in a room. Uh, the, their attempts at getting the gold is unsuccessful. They leave him uh, right as he actually discovers the gold in, in the hollowed out, like we said. But uh, all the while the kids have been locked in a room. Um, they know that, like, they can't just wait it out. He's either just going to leave them to to die in that room or he'll burn the whole place down or something. So they break out, they start fastening, uh, fashioning, sorry, uh, uh and shit. It gets very Lord of the flies. Like they're literally carving down sticks and shit. And, uh, now it's just Jacinto and, um, the kids alone in the orphanage. And he himself, obviously uh, an orphan, um, you know, it, it's kind of a showdown with like a reflection of himself, you know, but
0: before Jacinto came back, one last time to basically like to blow everybody up and stuff with his friends he had uh his fiance with him his fiance pretty much told him off because he's acting fucking crazy he kind of gave her the ultimatum of you're with me or against me so she when she was against him he killed her (laughs) yeah and then yeah she
1: didn't really have a choice because it was like it was she had to get the town to get help or else, I mean, but he's saying, no, get in the car. So, you know, if she wants to help the kids, she has to say fuck off. And by saying fuck off, well, that's it, you know? So it wasn't just like an act of defiance. I mean, it was, but it was like, there was really no other way. It was either abandon the kids or, you know, Mm -hmm. he's probably going to kill you. And he did. So it was kind of a sad scene.
0: At this point, Hame vows to kill jacinto because jacinto returns yeah the cigar wrapper as a wedding ring to propose to jacinto's fiance and it was kind of like this cute like oh look at the little kid he's right. look at him like that kind of thing
1: well yeah but you those a prick because he brings it back to the kid and he's like here yes. you go yeah like, i mean so but it's not just that there's there's a history of him being very afraid of Jacinto and we, we learned why
0: and then this next scene they have uh the doctor is very much wounded barely alive mm. has like this cha- this chair set up by the front door or front window and has a shotgun and is just waiting for Jacinto to come back you know he kind of just hold- stands his ground and Jacinto backs off for now and then he just continued to guard the place until he passed away.
1: Yeah, it was interesting, too, because the doctor initially was kind of he's like, I he didn't say it like that, but he's kind of like, I don't really give a fuck about the kids, Carmen. I just want to get you out of here safely. And then once Carmen is dead and, and that was her whole life was protecting these children, uh, that becomes his cause. And he's like, I, I won't you know, I won't abandon you he kind of doesn't quite live up to that because he does die, but he dies literally guarding them. You know, he's like almost a scarecrow with a shotgun in hand. His final moments were spent protecting the children. It's kind of an interesting redemption, right? Because there was so much that was unreciprocated and unsaid with Carmen, but by taking up, I think for the first time, her cause, which was really taking care of the children at the end, he probably felt a bit more connected to her, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, and then after they lose the protection of the doctor, they hide in these closets. And like like you had mentioned before, they begin to like whittle spears out of mops. And then there was
1: something that was really confusing though. Like um, they, so this is before you sink, those buddies take off, they're sitting around a fire and they're like, we're taking off in the morning whether we find the gold or not. And I'm like, they're drunk. It's like, why don't you just wait for them to go to sleep and then spear the shit out of them? But the kids don't do that. Even though they're like right around the corner listening to the plan to burn this whole place down with them inside of it. I'm like, just wait for them to pass out drunk, stab them, but they don't. So that's a little bit of a, but then they are also kids that probably aren't terribly eager to kill people unless they have to. So, you know.
0: Hame explains how Santi died to Carlos. Because when the bomb fell, or around the time when the bomb fell, same night, Santi had seen Jacinto try to break into the safe and then out of rage and you know, just instinct, uh, Jacinto shoves Santi against a wall and he hit the wall like pretty much squarely like on his right temple and yeah. there's just a hole in his skull and he, he's dead and Jacinto didn't know that that's what was gonna happen but like you also don't feel bad for him um well yeah
1: well at at, at, he's almost like a kid right where it's like uh, you're not hurt that bad it's not it's you know like he's he's panicking like he fucked up you know like don't don't tell your mom and then he realizes he really fucked up and uh he but he does there's the sister in there and and he sees what he's got to do all the while um uh Hami is looking on at this um and Yacinto doesn't know he's there he's hiding uh in the shadows I think or behind some column in the room so
0: yeah and he dragged Santi, Santi's body into the devil's backbone
1: the, the one thing that didn't make sense is he ties him up and I'm like you could have just he slipped and fell and cracked his head like I mean you could have made it yeah. look like that because people might notice a decomposing body in in the pool but I don't know and then he insists that none of the kids go down there. And like, nobody's. I mean, I know the water's super murky. It just seemed like a little bit of a plot hole to me. I'm like, that was gift wrapped. Head wound in the pool, you know, not like strangulation marks or something, you know, like, well, I just sound like a serial killer, but I'm like, that was, that was like gift wrapped to you, dude. You didn't have to tie them up. Like, then people are going to know it wasn't a natural thing. So I don't know.
0: And then they kind of meet this collision point where Jacinto is baited by Carlos and Jame to run through basically the chambers into the distillery or whatever you want to call it for where they make the devil's backbone. They end up like sneak attack, like psych bitch like stabs him in the throat
1: and they really fuck him up too like i'm I'm sure that's an artery he's he's going yeah like he's
0: bleeding out no matter what they end up rolling him into the pool of the devil's backbone and that's where santi drags him down to his death
1: the kids venture towards town which is war torn but you know so it's it's still a pretty bleak note they got to walk for a date with broken ankles and whatever but uh yeah it's a pretty bleak movie a pretty bleak ending but um yep. and, but
0: yeah but that so. is the ending um in terms of cultural impact it's a very similar film to in terms of like style to pan's labyrinth more so than uh other guillermo del toro movies i've also noticed in terms of style for this movie that this is very uh expressionistic so what that would mean is like German Expressionism was like old silent movies where the sets would look like the mood of the character. And that's kind of what like Tim Burton does. Because Guillermo del Toro to me is like a grounded Tim Burton and more talented Tim Burton. (laughs) Um, I like
1: Tim Burton. But yeah, no, I mean, I get what you're saying though. but they're both very visual like del toro's super
0: visual i mean they're both i both use expressionism a lot where the sets and the mood of the sets is going to reflect the mood of the characters so if people are sad it's going to be rainy if people feel you know dark and twisted there will be like an odd geometry to the land, or an odd. And geometry in this
1: movie, there's the, a literal that. bomb in the courtyard, so that really reflects how everybody's feeling. It's it's fucking bleak. I mean, you can see it's rust and oh, dust, and then and I would
0: I would say the expressionism is even more is like even more so in Pan's Labyrinth when you actually have like magical beings and like magical like trees, almost stuff like that surrounding you. That's that's a little bit of it too but like also when you see you know Edward Scissorhands and how like you know the attic or whatever is like off kilter or Mm -hmm. that's kind of like what expressionism is um and I think Guillermo del Toro is one of the people that kind of do that really well nowadays um yeah.
1: Yeah, I've I've seen it. I wish I could pull examples. I mean because I do like that, like where you know,
0: where there's a visual where the visual feeds into the, the character. So in terms of recommendations, Dakota, what kind of movies would you recommend for someone who liked the devil's backbone?
1: Actually, uh, well, yeah, so I said dark water like like 50 times. And then um I think I actually brought up like, let me in um I forget the director's name. The the American remake's really not that bad. I mean, I know some people think it's awful, but I really like I, the guy who just did the Batman, right? Um yeah. uh something Reeves, Matt Reeves, didn't, didn't yep, he do like one of the Cloverfield movies? He, he did yeah, he, um,
0: he did at least one of the uh one of the Planet of the Apes movies. I think he yeah, may have done
1: yeah, I think it's the first one, right? Wasn't it the, the I think so, which is pretty good. So yeah, I, I, that that be pretty much it. I mean, it's it's um it's a solid ghost story. It's a uh, in J horror the main, and we hadn't gotten the ring until the next year in two thousand two. You know, uh, so a big thing in J horror is like the ghost feeding on sort of the the angst of the household or the family dynamics, or, and and sometimes it blows up beyond that. Like most recently, on Origins. It's not it's not just the nation. It's like literally feeding off of like. The, the turmoil of the world. I don't know if that's something really exclusive to J-Horror, I'm trying to think of earlier examples, you know, I mean, there've been great ghost stories, turning the Screw and and quite a few, but I think, I think horror in general kind of like feeds on tragedy, right, I mean, like uh, one of my favorite films, Dead Calm, their child dies at the beginning of that, The, the Descent, uh, again, one of my favorite films, again, a child dies at the beginning, and like, so it just seems to be that the idea of horror is to be as unpleasant as humanly possible, you know, uh, from the very get go. And obviously a child dying kind of, you know is, is, is the launching pad for a lot of that. So yeah, I don't know if J-Horror invented it, but but um, I know Hereditary, which is, I, I don't know why I have a vendetta against the movie. It's really not a bad movie. It's just that people talk about it. Like it's the greatest fucking, it, it goes to 11. And like, for me, it's like, if you go to 11 then the quality should be 11, like anybody can cut the heads off of children i do it all the time and i'm sorry, but um but like that movie is like the the content is super graphic and i'm like well i feel like the quality should match it um you know like, like to me it looks like it's borrowing from pulse like the, the shadow the figures coming out of the shadows um and uh just the family unit disintegrating i mean it borrows from a lot of things like Uh, don't look now again actually yeah a child dies at the very beginning of don't look now so horror and tragedy really go together is is kind of what i'm saying i'm not sure what the origin point of that is but devil's backbone definitely feeds into it uh there's an entire war and the supernatural element is sort of like feeding off of it through the film all right so
0: i i recommend uh i'd recommend pan's labyrinth we talked about it a number of times That's probably his, Del Toro's next most similar movie. I would recommend maybe something like, you know, from dusk till dawn. Like if you like, kind of like the North American Southwest, whether it's, you know, well, I mean, this is like Spain, but it's similar climates, like the North American Southwest, it's a similar kind of genre Kind of fits into the Western genre, even though it's like a World War II era film.
1: I mean, if you wanted to do Spanish language horror, uh, Rec, like which is short for Record, great film series, uh, really terrifying. Found footage, but really, really good. Because uh, some people might shrink away at found footage, but it's really, those are good movies.
0: Even like From Dusk Till Dawn, something like that. Mm-hmm. Out of five stars, I think of this movie. I I think solid. I don't think it launched into like a very very strong movie for me. It teeters on either the high higher end of four stars or the lower end of four and a half. I'm gonna fair. go with the lower end of four and a half. I I, I give this one four and a half stars. Um. Yeah, again, I, I no, I
1: totally agree. I'd say it's like a higher four for me. You know, um, it, it's like a prototype for Pan's Labyrinth, where I really think it, it landed a lot, a lot better.
0: Um, I, I not, not to say that
1: this is poor at all. It, it's a really solid movie, like you said. So, um, yeah,
0: I agree. I think it's just very strong, but like it didn't like it didn't like. Fuck with my mind, or like just mm. fuck up my world, like *Pan's Labyrinth* did. Like right. that movie's, yeah. On that note, guys. So <laughs> you said higher, a higher end four. I I said a lower end four and a half. It is one of the better horror movies of that era. I think it's a, it's like an essential view for a Guillermo del Toro fan. Um, this is one I would, I was wanting to get around to. Glad we did it. Glad we reviewed it and happy to kick off the Halloween marathon. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, you know, of course, YouTube, Spotify, and wherever podcasts can be found. And then definitely take a look at take a look at that Patreon. You know what I mean? Like, just just take a look at it, guys. Just, just take a look at it. You should put titties
1: on the Patreon page. Maybe that would make it more enticing. Like, I mean, you know, like we can't promise you'll get titties, but they're on the page, and if you go over there, you get to look at them at least.
0: Does the spoiler alert podcast need an OnlyFans?
1: Oh yeah, shit. We should put. There we go. Yeah, we should be the first to do it. Just like also upload our
0: videos to OnlyFans. Yeah. No.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We'll
0: be like, you can find us on Spotify. YouTube, wherever podcasts can be found, including OnlyFans.
1: I I just diversify entirely. Pornhub, you, you whatever, all of them. Just like, yeah, all right. (laughs)
0: On that note, thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. Have a great day, everybody.